Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that this finds you and your family doing well, and I want to thank you for joining me. If you heard yesterday's program, I was talking with my friend and board member, Mike Miller, and Mike and I have been on a number of trips together. We've been to Uganda. Mike, was that the first trip you and I went on? Was to it was. Yeah, it was. That was the first trip that we went on together to Uganda, and then uh, since then we have been to uh, the Philippines, and last year, about a year ago, right now actually, we were in India, which undoubtedly was the hottest trip I've ever been on. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was tough. Yeah, that was, uh, that, they, they, um, they were having a record-breaking heat wave, even for India, record-breaking. Yeah, those people, they're, yeah. they're tough there, and they were getting, they were having heat stroke. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, yeah that was a. Uh, yeah, that was not one of the more comfortable trips that we've been. Of course, you and I—I mean, the Philippines was the most was the most modern, I suppose, of, of the of oh, the yeah, three definitely. trips we've been on. But uh, yeah, but none of them have been exactly been uh, vacations. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Mike, where we left off yesterday, you're telling us a little bit about um, uh, your testimony, how God saved you and uh, Carrie and delivered you out of the kind of the um, uh, various deceptions, primarily seeker-sensitive with you, but you were talking about how a lot of your side of the family was into Word of Faith, uh, Osteen, Jesse Duplantis, and things like that. One of the things I was struck, that struck me, and um, well, it's not like I haven't known this. I mean, I I know you and I know each other really well, but... but, um, Mike, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mike is a, a he is he is one of the most evangelistic people I know. Uh, he is out there when he goes on business trips, when he has to go on business trips for his work. Uh, he's always got tracks with him, and he'll take that opportunity to go out and do some fishing, and um, and not not for largemouth bass, but for souls. He goes out and and hands out gospel tracks and uh, evangelizes. And Mike, you and I are both um, Calvinists, to use that term, uh, even though it's kind of a loaded term. But you know, Calvinism that believing in in election and predestination that just that just kills evangelism. You know, I uh, it, it what what is right? I mean that that's what we all hear that Calvinism just killed. Well, well, I'll tell you an interesting story about my experience with that years ago okay. going to that. That, that, that Baptist church I had mentioned before, the one that wouldn't do the evangelism. I, I called the, the pastors in there at one point. I told them, you know, look, we're going to have to, we're probably going to leave. And, you know, they, they, we want to go to some place that was more evangelistic. And the pastor said something really interesting to me at that time. He goes, you know, he goes, you know Michael, he goes, you know, you've been strongly influenced by Calvinism. And I had no idea what that meant. Really? I had no idea what that meant. Uh, at that time, as a baby Christian, I, I had come convictions on, on the sovereignty of God and election from reading Romans, from reading in, you know, uh, uh, the Gospel of John, reading yeah, Ephesians. Totally. I have come to those convictions through through Scripture. I couldn't have put a name to it, but it did spark my interest. I'm like, wow, what, is, what does he mean by Calvinism? I need to find out what that is. <laughs> which which actually piqued 
my interest in really studying the systematic theology and learning the terminology better, um, in reality, what had brought me to conviction had nothing to do with Calvinism. Um, the doctrines that I believed were described by him as Calvinism. And what was interesting is I was, you know, I was trying to encourage this man to share the gospel at large, and yet his response was, you've been heavily influenced by Calvinism, which I'd never read. I had never read Calvin at that point. I hadn't right. read much of Spurgeon at that point. I'd only really read in Scripture. So I just thought that was really an interesting how it, it, it turned out. So I was, I was I, you could say I was Calvinistic before I was a Calvinist. Right. <laughs> I just, I think that is, um, I think that is so telling, and I, I just love that story. I've heard you, now that you mentioned it, I've heard you say that before, it kind of escaped my memory, but, uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, you don't, you didn't even know what Calvinism was, now, not no, even heard the term, what's that? But you just, you just see the doctrine in Scripture. I mean, how do you read John 6 without seeing God's sovereignty? How do you read... I would challenge anybody to read through John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer. How can you read that and not realize that God is sovereign in salvation? I mean, it is just, I mean, you have to, you have to be intentionally dishonest with the text, but, um, you know, it's, and I don't want to, I didn't want to get off on a whole series on on Calvinism because I'm actually going to do that coming up here shortly on my radio program, but. But uh, it is interesting that one of the one of the chief arguments against election, the doctrine of election or predestination, doctrines of grace, oh, it kills kills evangelism. Right, yeah. It actually was the opposite in my experience. It is the exact because, opposite. Yeah. Right. Because then you, you understand, I can witness to this person, and, um, you know, it, God means to save them. It's not for me to know whether they're elect or not elect. I just witness to them all in sundry. And, and what's amazing is God will save people right in front of you. Um, or, you know, I had an experience the other day at Cinco de Mayo Festival. We went, and, and lo and behold, we run into a young man. He started to, you know, he, he, he falls under conviction right in front of me over his sin. Um, mm. You know, it was it was an amazing experience that God set up. Wow. And, and, and I'm not exactly, you know, I mean... By necessity, I've studied, I've studied theology. By necessity, um, I preach. Uh, I'm not the Apostle Paul. I'm not an eloquent man. You know, by any stretch of the imagination. But you know, God's the one that's doing the saving. And, yeah. and we have our assigned duty in that. I mean, if I really believed it was up to me to save and convince these people, uh, I don't think I'd ever do evangelism. Right. It'd be, it'd be, too, it'd be too heavy, high of a response. It'd be terrifying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but anyways, I, um, I digress. No, it's all right. That's good. Well, let me. So I'll, I'll get back to where we were yesterday. So we had the idea. Why don't we invite Justin to do a conference in Tulsa? You know, years ago I had seen one of your conferences. I thought it was great, and so we did. I, I called you. Know, I said you should come to Tulsa, and you were excited about the idea because Tulsa is the literal birthplace of some of these modern heresies, which I had seen devastate my own family and my extended family. And then my friend had the idea of, well, why don't we invite some other people, too? And I said, okay, who should we invite? He goes, let's invite everybody. Let's just invite everybody that we have ever listened to a sermon that we thought was good, and we'll just see what happens. And so, oh, okay. You know, being uh, relatively naive at that point, you know, you just, sometimes you're bold. You're more bold <laughs> when you don't realize what what you're doing as much. And I think some there's a fear as you get more mature and older that, you hold back because you know how difficult it is. But when you're young, you don't realize how difficult it is. So you just do it. 
right. which actually is a strength. Yeah. So I, I had emailed um, the Heart Care Missionary Society, and I said, you know, we're doing this conference in Tulsa on the prosperity thing. I said, um, you know, if you could just send somebody to come preach for an hour or two, that would be great. That's all I did. I emailed them. I didn't ask for Paul um, and, Washer to come or anything. I, I figured he'd be way too busy. And just for, and just for I know you and I, you and I know these terms and names, but just in case some of our listeners don't heart oh, cry, sure. heart cry missionary society is the missionary society that is uh, founded and, and um, headed led by Paul Washer, and uh, uh, who was um, uh, a missionary to Peru and and uh, other places. But uh, yeah, one of the most able. Um, proclaimers of the gospel today. So anyway, go go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Well, and I had invited him because years before, when I was first wrangling with true salvation, when I was first wrangling through, because I, you know, you mentioned my background, part of my background was I was an agnostic, you know. So I came to convictions about the agnosticism before I was saved. You know, mm-hmm. So I studied, you know, the, you know the, the supernatural origin of Scripture, and I mean, convinced that Scripture was God-breathed, but I didn't, I had no repentance. It was the most miserable 18 months of my life to believe that this is God's word and then not to believe uh, or to desire him. You know, it was an honest moment of my life. But anyways, one thing that one sermon I come across um, uh, was that uh, Paul Washer preached a sermon years ago called The Shocking Youth Message. Uh-huh. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yep. Are familiar with it. Yeah. And I, and I thought that was very profound. I thought, well, hey, this guy can preach. And uh, lo and behold, he decided that he would come. And he almost had to cancel, but he came anyways. Hmm. And um, I remember um, sitting there with him and, and uh, driving him back to the hotel after the first night of the conference, and I asked him for advice about Bill. Because at the time, with Bill's church, they had had... Okay. And, and Bill is, is the pastor, Pastor Bill is the pastor that right. you know in Uganda. Yeah, and, and he had had a, a very difficult time repeatedly. First, God saves him out of Islam, okay? Him and his Muslim, his whole family was Islamic, at, you know, from for many decades, even before Bill was born. So as a, as a Muslim, um, him and some Muslim friends went to Kampala from the Democratic Republic of Congo because in Kampala they had this big festival at the Makerere University, and this is what Bill had told me. And there were going to be Christian girls there, and Christian girls are easy to pick up. Wow. So these Muslims went, <laughs> Bill, who was Muslim at the time with his Muslim friends, went to Kampala to listen to the, to go to this uh, festival at the university to pick up girls. And there happened to be an evangelist there who shared the gospel. And Bill became convicted hmm. because, uh, and, and you could probably interview Bill sometime, he could give you a better, uh, relay better his own testimony, but basically what it, he told me was what, what brought conviction to him was the idea of forgiveness of sin. You know, the idea that there's a repentance, there's a salvation. They don't have that in Islam. Right. Islam is, is it's, it's a moral code. You know, you're 51% doing good, and who decides what that is versus 49%, then you go to some sort of paradise. And that's why the jihad is seen as the only real definitive way for them to, quote-unquote, be saved. Bill came under conviction, and he said that he had this um, you know, this experience where the question was asked, you know, who can save? He saw, you know, as though he saw himself laying there dead, and he was like, who can save this? Who can raise this man from, from the dead? He can't, it's not Muhammad. Muhammad's dead. Yeah. And it's only Christ. So he comes to conviction as a Christian. He, he gets ran out of town on a rail from the Congo because, you know, he's a Muslim who's now converted, so he's under a death sentence, you know, from his friends and neighbors. He, he goes to um, uh, Uganda, he gets plugged in with some American missionaries there, and, you know, they're flaming heretics, 
you know, flaming heretics. He can explain better. You know, at first he didn't realize it, but he he, he had to go to a, a point of crisis where he realized that these people were preaching a false doctrine, and it was either, you know, to confront them and hope that they repent or, or, or walk away and risk his livelihood. I mean, that, that was his only, you know, essentially as a refugee, his, that 500 bucks a month or whatever they paid him to help out, that was all he had. Yeah. They confronted him, they fired him, and he was on the street, literally on the street, him and him and Priscilla, who was pregnant at the time, and um, I think two or three of the children. And uh, the start of the, he, he got plugged in with another church, and um, that church was a very Pentecostal church, was very endemic in Uganda, as you know. And Bill was convicted because they only ever preached about wealth. And he's like, where's the repentance? Where's, where was that salvation that he had heard about from the gospel years before in Kampala that had... That had, been, had you know, God had used to, to to bring about His own conversion. This idea of the forgiveness of sins—they weren't preaching that at all. They were just preaching wealth and power, personal power and personal wealth. And, and um, so Bill and I had talked about those issues a lot. We had talked about, you know, this is what America had exported. It was a false doctrine. So um, we had talked about the idea of going to Uganda. And I thought it would be, you know, perfect. This is, you know, this is the only theology that they hardly have. There is this uh, prosperity gospel stuff, and, and Bill uh-huh. had given me his firsthand account of it. So, anyways, I was talking with, with Paul Washer, and I explained the situation with Bill, explaining, you know, my own conversion, how God had saved me, and how God had saved Bill. And he gave me two pieces of advice. He said, "Look, he goes, here's what you need to do. He goes, one, you need to go over there, go over there to to Bill, find out what's really happening, and then two, he says, you need to get Bill in contact with Conrad Mbibwe. He was a, a church, uh, a pastor in Zambia. And I don't know if your listeners are familiar with Conrad or not, but he's a fine preacher. Yeah. Conrad Mbibwe is the one that's been described as the Spurgeon of Africa, right? Right. Yeah, Charles yeah, Spurgeon of Africa. Right. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. That's right. And you know, so I'm sitting in my car driving, you know, Paul Washer back, and I'm thinking, how am I ever going to go to Uganda? And how am I ever going to, I don't know Conrad in Bidway. <laughs> That's never going to happen. I thought, you know what, I mean, if God wants it to happen, it can happen. Uh-huh. It can happen. You know, so, you know, and we, the week before we had been talking about, uh, in preparation for this conference, you know, what if we went to Africa? You know, what if we went overseas and we, and we did a conference in Africa? What would that be like? You know, these Christians here have never, a lot of them have never been confronted over the tongues issue, over the issues with the prosperity gospel. And then I realized that, you know, it seemed like God was orchestrating that to happen. Right. And um, so I, I'd reach out to Conrad. I'm like, hey, has a friend of mine named Bill. You know, if you ever get the chance, reach out to him. And uh, and Conrad did. He did mm. reach out to him. And yeah. um, and then, you know, I, I ended up, the church here, we had sent we sent Bill to, to Zambia to, to meet with, uh, to go to their, their, pen, their African pastor's conference. And, and Bill could tell you, how, what that was amazing what happened with him down there, but... He could tell you that better than I could. Yeah. And so we so we went to Uganda. I had no idea really what to expect. I'd never I'd never been overseas before. And um, was this your by we you mean you and me? Uh, yeah. Right. Correct. You and I went to Uganda. That was your first time overseas. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. I'd only ever been to Mexico just briefly. Okay. And uh, yeah, and I'm a germaphobe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uganda's not the least. If you're a, if you're a germaphobe, Uganda's not the best. Not no. the, not would not be high on your uh, uh, list. It wouldn't be on your bucket list. Let's put it that way. No, no, it wouldn't. And, you know, and what's amazing is, 
If you look at how God does things, as opposed to what men would do, I would be the least qualified person to go. Uh-huh. Okay, honestly, either one of us. I mean, me, either for one sure. Right. Yeah, I mean, a germaphobe accountant, okay, with a big family, uh-huh. um, with a Nansant formal theological training, um, pastor of a small church of maybe 20 people, half of whom are children, you know, the yeah. mission boards have never sent that guy over to Africa. Right, right. Okay, uh, God doesn't work that way. Oftentimes he does things to where everyone realizes that he's the one that's doing it. Right. You know, it's the David. You know, right. it's the least qualified. It's the least experienced. It's the it's the you know it's the beggar in the street person um, that doesn't have any pretense about their own you know a, a ability that God will use uh, as opposed to you know what would the Southern Baptist and not to pick on Southern Baptists, but I mean they have committees that make decisions about missionaries. What would they do? Yeah. If they were going to send pastors over to Africa. They'd have a big committee, have a big discussion. They'd find somebody who speaks the language. They would find somebody who's going to live there. They'd find somebody who's going to be well-financed. They would travel around for six months or throughout the United States to all the churches raising funds and gathering funds and gathering support, and they'd have a formal budget, and they would go with this big plan, and they would go to Africa for years. I mean, that's that's how they would do it. Yeah. God right. doesn't always do things that way. That's he, right. He just does it. That's does right. does it his own way. Just does it and his own despite way. Yeah. Despite the weakness of men, yeah. despite you know the best laid plans of mice and men, because God's not. And so uh, we win. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, God's. Uh, you can re- read through the Bible, and God's uh, God's not overly fond of sharing His glory with others. No, you know, no. Uh, he he's not. Yeah, it, it it he's not real fond of that. He, uh, uh, nor should he be. So yeah, he likes he likes to do things and does do things in ways in which. He and he alone gets the glory for it, as he right. rightly deserves. So that's exactly right, and, and where it's obvious that that he's the one that's done it, right? And, and that there's, there's there's no pretense. It's not that there were good organizers in some mission board somewhere, and not that the, that that good sound planning is a bad thing, but just as a as an illustration, you know. Um, it's it's not about committees organizing and sending men overseas because a lot of the the issues that that Bill had struggled with were you know foreign missionaries coming overseas well planned well funded but without 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 the Holy Spirit moving right you know they come over they come over and they they go and they do a thing and then they leave and nothing happens yeah you know, no one's converted no one's convicted nothing happens there's no there's nothing. Um, uh, the Holy Spirit's not there, right? Right. Um, and um, you know, and you, you think about like what happened at Macquarie University. That, that evangelist, nobody knows who the guy was that preached that day. You know, he wasn't, you know, some foreign missionary. He was a, an African pastor that was passing through. Yeah, he saw a festival and decided to preach, and everybody there hated him. You know, there wasn't mass conversions happening when he left. You know, there was a lot of there was almost a riot. And yet God worked in it. And, and even Raju's testimony in India, yeah, same thing. Some nobody that nobody knows, some Indian pastor going through a village, shares the gospel, um, and, and God does He does what he does. He's yeah. seeking and saving that which is lost. Right. And, um, yeah, so, and, anyways, it was, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you, you never know, dear, dear, dear friends, you never know um, when that... You know that gospel track that you hand out, or that gospel track that you 
you leave on a uh you know in a on a at a table at a restaurant or who you share the gospel you never know the fruit that might be born from that and uh and uh, many many are the testimonies of people who have come to Christ through someone sharing a gospel track or sharing the gospel and and uh and then that branches out to a, a lot of other things and bears an awful lot of fruit so um yeah so um, I encourage encourage all of our listeners to to share the gospel share the gospel with people that's our mandate absolutely and I and my own personal experience with that as a uh, you know when I was a um, unconverted semi agnostic Secretist or whatever you want to call me, I was. You know, I, I would always work two or three jobs. You know, I was going to college. I'm working two or three jobs, and one of my jobs was a night waiter at Wendy's. Or no, it was a uh, uh, Denny's. It was a night waiter at Denny's. Horrible job. Um, <laughs> Love Denny's, but I was a terrible waiter. You know, so <laughs> I, I'm there working the night shift with all the drunks and people that leave you know, at the table without paying, and, and I'm in the bathroom cleaning the bathroom, or whatever. And this kid comes up to me and witnesses to me, and by all modern description, this kid blew it. Um, he barely understood the gospel himself. He didn't just understood just enough to lay out just a couple fundamental truths. Um, but that really convicted me at the time. Now I didn't repent at the time, but looking back, you know, twenty five years, you know, twenty years ago, or whatever, right. I can see that that was one of the first initial things that started to move me into really inquiring what the scripture was. You know, was it divine, or was it you know just a book? Um, it, it, it brought, God used it. Right. Despite the fact that this guy was just, you know, some kid, you know, randomly talking to a night waiter at the Denny's that he didn't know, you know, for a 10 minute conversation. It really convicted me. And then later when I was converted, I remembered that. And I thought, you know what? That 15 year old kid, he was scared to death. He had no idea what he was talking about. And yet, and I was extremely rude to him. I, mean, I was horrible. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was horrible to him. Um, you know, he, there was no evidence to him that God did anything, none at all, and yet God did. Right, right. And 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 so again, it, it, when you when you believe in the, and they understand the sovereignty of God, yeah, there's a comfort in evangelism because you understand that this is not an intellectual exercise. You know, it's not you know just convincing somebody of a few you know axiomatic truths. There's a spiritual element to it. There, the only Holy Spirit can do. And uh, he works through means. It's not mystical. He works through means, and the means is the gospel. So this kid, you know, he, he lays out a few uh, things that he understood. Uh, like I said, he was probably 15, and uh, it got me to explore it, and I did. And then I realized the Bible was divinely inspired, and then I realized that I had a problem, <laughs> uh-huh. a really big problem. I'm like, right. I believe this book is God's word, but now I, I hate God. That's my problem. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a horrible place to be. Right. That's a horrible place to be, but um, necessary. Yeah. So don't despise the small things. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. And, and, and well, you know what's amazing about that, and I don't want to cover the whole trip in the God, but what I did find amazing about it was that everything that happened subsequent to our, our time there would indicate failure. I mean, you think about it. I mean, Bill came under conviction, you know, about, you know, the issues in his church. And, and Bill would be better to, to explain those to, to you than I could. And his church, I mean, it blew apart. You know, it, it, all the goats, I guess you could say all the goats left. Right. And, uh, you know, it, he, he, it was a riot. You know, right. and there, there, was con- there was confrontation 
after we left, there was there was conflict. The, 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 the former members of his church tried to get the government to shut him down. I mean, he had persecution after persecution on it. Yeah. Um, and then God filled his church up with, with, with sheep. I'll tell you what, Mike. I, I no. want us. Uh, we're we're running out of time again, brother. But okay. uh, but uh, hold that thought. I want us to. I want us to in our next program um, talk more about what some of what we experienced in Uganda. What what happened? Um, what we saw and what the Lord did, and 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 talk about yeah how His church blew up because uh, it sure. did. So. All right, dear friends, thank you very much for joining me. Please do join us tomorrow. I'll be with Mike Miller once again and uh, tell you, go more in depth and uh, give you more detail about some of the things that we experienced in Uganda. Until then, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, are interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.